Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cat and Tully. In this podcast, we dive into conscious relationship, journeying through parenthood, and all things lifestyle creation. So join us in creating your own new normal as we share our stories and talk with some incredible leaders in their field. Thanks for being here, guys. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, we're on. Hi, guys. We're back. God. <laughs> it's been a while. I think we've established this isn't going to be a weekly podcast. We've established, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we but have here. Um, made peace with the fact that this podcast is going to be happening in surges as well. So mm-hmm. when we're inspired and we feel like we have something that we want to say and, you know, chat about, then we'll be jumping on. And there will be no forcing it outside of that no. time, uh, especially with a baby and that sort of thing. But also like, I don't know, I don't always have something to say and I don't want to have to make make mm. something to say just mm. to have content out there. So yeah, we're, we're just going to roll with however this flows. And sometimes we'll ask you guys for questions like today we're doing a ask cat episode where a lot of you sent through some questions over on yes. Instagram. So we're going to run through all of those today, but yeah, it's just going to be a bit of a is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, we'll start to find um, some more flow. But it just became one of those things where when it started, we were so excited about it. So we kind of prioritized it and made it the most important thing in our life for about nine days. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then since then, you know, it just hasn't been that most important yeah. thing. So it kind of, um, in the busyness of, of <laughs> life and parenthood, it kind of gets, um, yeah, pushed to the side. But alas, um, here we are. And there's no rules. Yeah. If, if, if you take away anything from this podcast today, it's that there are no rules. No, and zero so rules. no rules with business, no rules with content, no rules with creative expression, mm. none of it. Yeah. So. Let's get into it. Shall we? So you're in the hot seat today, babe. Mm. I'm asking the question. So to kick things off, um, and I'm curious to know this as well, actually, uh-huh. what is your current motherhood mantra? Or mantra, depending on how you say it. It's weird because I kind of feel like there's like no thoughts running through my head half the time. And then the direct opposite is like there's so many thoughts going through my head. I feel like at the moment it's just like everything's okay. Like Mm. no matter what I'm doing in that moment, I I decide that that's what I'm doing. And then it's like it's okay to do Mm -hmm. that. So whether it be it's okay to cuddle Rafi all night and it's okay to be there 24 7 with him or it's okay for me to feel sad that he's super aggressive to my face and not yours (laughs) um so no matter what it is it's just like it's okay and that allows me to lean deeper into like my intuition with motherhood as well and Mm. and just like have the intuitive hit act on it and that's okay no matter what it is yeah 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 love it just being present and okay with what is yeah, I like Except, it. Except, yeah, I will. I will say that Rafi's teething at the moment, so he's like really aggressive to me. Like rips my ears, my hair, my my chin. Like needs to bite, which is okay. Yeah. Like, I get it. It's okay. See, haha. Yeah. It is my mantra. <laughs> um, but then he's with Tully. He's just like this little just chill chiller. <laughs> I, think, I think, and I, I'm trying not to take it too personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he would bite my chin if I didn't have a beard. Yeah. I think that probably he's had a go a couple of times and he just doesn't really like it. <laughs> abort mission, abort yeah, yeah, mission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
Cool. And so the next question that has come in is how did you start communicating with baby spirits? Um, and are there others? And I'm assuming that means like are there others that you're communicating with mm. at the moment? Yeah. So if you guys haven't heard our um, kind of pregnancy, first, birth and postpartum series. Yeah. Yeah. It was very f- episode one. Episode one is all about baby prep and we go into and talk about um, pre-birth communication with spirit babies and your children before they, I guess, are incarnated into their 3D bodies. Um, So if you want like, I guess, a more deeper take on all of that, go listen to episode one. But at the moment, I guess I want to say that spirit babies communicate in lots of different ways. So there isn't like one way they're communicating and it, it may not be at 3am in the morning you wake up and there's a voice in your ear being like, I am your child. It's kind of <laughs> creepy. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Um, you can tell it's been a while because you know exactly where my brain just went. <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw the look in your face and I was like, well, I better keep talking now. Cause otherwise <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Some babies communicate visually, like through your dreams and you'll start just getting dreams of your future children, your babies are telling you messages through the dreams and that's one way of communication. Other ways of communication is you just get really strong feelings and emotional hits about things that you know are leading you towards certain decisions that are going to be good for your family one day. Um, In the past, I think I've had like one experience where I've actually heard something in my ear um and so I just guess it depends on what you're sensitive to and then for some people it's really really subtle like they won't hear won't see won't anything and they think oh maybe there's no spirit baby but sometimes a simple yearning for a child is enough because when you're yearning for a baby it means that there's a baby in response to that yearning um so yeah, I guess it's just like becoming more and more sensitive. I think also if you haven't, um, you know, been exposed to this way, I guess, of thinking or believing before, it, it takes a while to get more sensitive and to think more Yeah, yeah. In, in that way. And then it starts showing up more and more in your life. You're like, oh, that's what it is. Mm. But reading books, writing letters. So is that how you started? Like reading books about it. So then you kind of learnt about it and you're like, oh, this is a thing. And yeah. then you opened yourself up. Yeah. Like, so I you... started with, a. am pretty sure it was a book ages yep. ago and just starting to hear people talk about it a little bit um and like a very little bit and then I was like that sounds cool and I just delved into it Mm. and then from there I became more sensitive to it yeah and I started having dreams of babies a lot and giving birth a lot I was gonna say dreams would pop up for you quite a lot yeah so I'm quite visual so dreams are usually the main way of communication (laughs) just had a little flashback to that (laughs) before we moved house and the dream about oh my god guys okay no we have to share we have to yeah so (laughs) how do i share this so basically like i'm like 30 weeks pregnant i've had this intuitive hit like we got to move house so that's another way i found spirit babies communicated to me was these intuitive hits and sometimes i didn't know why and you just got to trust it and Mm. go with it so got this hit we got to move house like there are a few logical and practical reasons we're also going to move but it was very much this intuitive like we're not going to be birthing in this house and then um i was like look little baby in my belly, please give me a sign. I need you to visit me in a dream and tell me where we're moving because I need some clarity here, right? And so probably a week later, I wake up from this dream. And I'm like, Talia had the weirdest dream. This I didn't even connect the dots. I'm like, so I was there in my old house on Crocus Islands in the bath 
and I, w- I had this brand new newborn baby and he kept looking out the window and mooing and I look out the window and we're on this tropical island but instead there's these rolling hills and there's all these black cows floating in the air <laughs> and he keeps mooing my baby is mooing and I just like thought it was a really interesting dream to have and then Tull I just I just smiled and I was like, oh, I know what this means because a few of the ha- we we're looking at houses in different areas, but one of the places we were contemplating moving is Quarrumup, where there's a lot of cows. They they literally have like pretend cows everywhere, all over town, yeah. um, like I don't know cow statues yeah. that are painted, I guess. Yeah, and it's like well known. Around the they call it Cowtown. Cowtown. So, um, Tull was just like, babe, you know, and my mouth just dropped. <laughs> I was just like, my baby spoke to me. We have to move to Cowtown. And here we are yeah. living in Cowtown <laughs> in our dream little rental. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, that's um, visual for you. Yeah. So, it's not always super spiritual is what I'm trying to say. It's not always they're going to come to you, you know, with their little angel wings being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm coming in January. Like, mm. No. So, yeah, let's uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next question. Um, oh, this is another one I would actually like to know. I'm liking this question so far. Um, what do you wish you would have known before um, going into baby prep or motherhood? Oh, yes. Yes, good question. Um, I, w- um, I felt quite prepared going into baby prep because I had spent so long wanting to be doing that, Mm. that I was just like threw myself in. And I feel like for us, we just did it the way that we wanted to do it through our own guidance. And so everything that we did, I felt very complete with our baby prep. Like there wasn't anything more that I feel like we should have done. And I don't feel like, yeah, like I I feel really Mm. happy and complete with the way that we did baby prep. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess probably something that I see in other people doing baby prep who, you know, are figuring out their own way of doing it is probably just like this idea of trying to get fully, completely ready. And I, I just don't know if that's, um, something that's necessary. Like, cause I feel like you can get ready through baby prep to some extent, but you can't get fully ready for a baby through baby prep because becoming pregnant, having a pregnancy, all of that is what gets you ready for a baby as well. So mm. baby prep is like only up until a point mm. and then you have to like jump and trust that you're ready enough mm. to conceive and then you're ready enough to be pregnant and then you're pregnant. And then at some point you got to be like, oh shit, well, we're ready enough to have a baby whether you are or not. So mm. it's kind of, I feel like that's probably a thing is that um, I don't think baby prep is going to get anybody 100% ready f- to be parents because that's not its yeah. role. Its role is to just get you um, ready enough to ha- be on that journey mm. type of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when you're single, getting ready for a relationship. It's like you can get yourself and do the work and get yourself mm. pretty ready. But when you, once you get into a relationship, stuff's still going to pop up. Yes. It's like yeah. kind of like a similar exactly. thing. Exactly that. So. Yeah, probably that. It's like don't focus on trying to get ready for baby prep to then have baby prep to get ready for parenthood and then parent, you know, like it's just focus on being ready enough. Like am I ready enough to take the next step Mm. and then just do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially a lot of the, say, the mental emotional challenges, they'll pop up. Mm. I found they popped up as as we went and and you can't predict 
a no, lot of no, them. No. The physical stuff, on the other hand, is probably the stuff to focus on early yeah, on. Totally. Um, and then even then, though, like it's not like we ticked every single physical box possible. Like we did the ones that we got to the point aligned. where we felt like, yep. Yeah. Exactly. I feel good. Yeah. 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 Nice one. Um, co-sleeping with a baby and sex. Sell it to me. No, really. How? <laughs> this was that was the full question, that but was, I can I also see Tully being like, "Sell it to me." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, no, no, this is a good good to talk on. Hmm. Co-sleeping and sex. Well, like that's like I don't know. Depends on your own judgments um i am quite comfortable to have sex with the baby in the bed mm. at the moment when he's um, sleeping while he's asleep yeah so you know until that feels funky then we'll probably just do that mm. um also we have a king bed so mm. i think if you had a double or a queen it would be a different story again yeah um there are alternatives as well. Like, for example, we've set up a co-sleeper on the side of our bed. So you could always have a baby in the co-sleeper and then, you know, connect and make love or whatever. And then once you're ready to actually sleep, you can pull your baby back into bed with mm. you. Um, but also I think it's just an opportunity to get creative. Like, why is sex limited to the bedroom after 8 p.m. at night mm. is probably the question I'm actually looking at. Yeah, Because, you know we're learning to not keep it limited to well firstly after 8 p.m neither of us have energy to have sex so it has to be day sex now and usually during Rafi's nap so he's not in the bed anyway Mm. um so i don't know i think we don't have all the answers we're literally figuring it out we're only six months (laughs) in um we go through phases where there isn't much sex and then we go Mm. through phases where we're like feeling inspired um but it's also, I guess, you know, before a baby, it was a lot more of a priority. Whereas now it's like, it's still a priority, but it's not, um, you know, like our values have shifted as well. Yeah. So it's like Rafi's well-being actually feels really important to us. And as long as Tully and I are connected. Mm. So, you know, sex could be an avenue for connection. And if that's your only avenue for connection, it would be really, really important. Whereas Tully and I create a lot of intimacy and connected moments in our day-to-day life. Mm. So we don't have to rely on sex to be connected in a sexual way. Um, but yeah, each to their own. I'm no expert on that. We, yeah. we might co-sleep for now and change our mind in three months time. We might keep going for another two years. Look, my secret fantasy is to like all the children in the bed, get two king size beds, put them together, make a super family bed and the bedroom be for resting and sleeping and family time. Mm. And then, you know, we get creative outside of that space. Mm. My secret fantasy is to have a room next to that with a bed that I can sleep in. On your own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I literally I woke up. I think I dreamt about it last night, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, I'm definitely uh, sleeping my own energy type of mm. that manifester energy. Yeah. So I'm a generator. Um, so I'm like, give me all my children. Let me love to, them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I need space. And Rafi I'm actually... currently working on negotiations behind the scenes with a, this one, actually. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, though, because Rafi is a projector. Tully's so, a manifester. So we probably should design. probably both be sleeping on our own. You, you should, like... Okay, here's, like, true story, guys. <laughs> Rafi, we tried to set up the co-sleeper literally for what I said before. Like, we wanted to be able to have, like, you know, whenever we go to bed until, like, 10 or 11 to ourselves in bed and then bring him into the bed when we actually go to sleep. Um, so I put him in the co-sleeper. We're going to try to do a whole night and it's literally attached to the side of the bed. It's probably <laughs> an extra 20 centimeters away from my hand. Um, 
and it's time to go to sleep and I just could not sleep tossing and turning and I'm just like I feel empty perhaps <laughs> <laughs> like my nest is empty um and so Rafi is sound asleep yeah, probably Rafi would have happy all night <laughs> and I'm like nah I have to so I pull him in put him on my chest and we slept peacefully for the rest <laughs> of the night and so I think sometimes also co-sleeping can be just as much for the parents mum parents yeah as I it is for the children as well yeah I think it's important um important for both and you never know like he probably would have woken up at 2am wanting to come back like yeah, yeah you just um but I think the biggest, I concur with everything you said, and especially with the shift in priorities, mm. because it's only an issue if you think it's an issue. Like, because... Are we going back to the sex thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If my highest priority was have as much sex as possible mm. and yours, what well, like, it could be a potential issue. Mm, mm-hmm. But I think because both of our priorities shifted... We know it's a season in our life. Mm. It, it has. It's been a non-issue. Yeah, we, we haven't like put um, heaps of pressure on it. You know, it's not like, oh my god, we have to. But we also haven't kicked it to the curb either. Yep. Like we've we're just like so unattached to it that it's like when it's flowing and it's happening, then we're going to fully embrace that. And when it's not, then no sweat. Like we'll focus on many other areas of our life that also require our focus. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yep. Um, is being a mama everything you ever dreamed of? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Short but, answer. But in saying that, because I, I did think about this when this question came through, is being a mother everything I ever dreamed of? There um, It's been interesting to learn and experience, because I knew this would happen, but it's been different to actually experience it that there is a lot of mundaneness in motherhood, right? There's a lot of sitting on the couch and feeding. There's a lot of like tidying or, you know, just like everyday stuff. Whereas before a baby, it would be like, let's go on an adventure and do this and do that and do this. And there'd probably be a bit more excitement as the the new normal. Whereas mm. now the new normal is a lot of mundaneness, which they're like, and this is me being fully honest in, I've wanted to be a mom my whole life fully obsessed with motherhood and there are still moments where i'm like whoa i chose this Mm. like i've been sitting on this couch for a long ass time type of thing like so there are definitely moments of that Mm. however the contrast of the moments that are so full of joy so full of love (laughs) like they happen every single day where i'm just like this is my fucking best life like there is no doubt about it I am living my best life. This is so fulfilling. My heart is so happy. Um, and so like the balance of that makes an overall, yes, motherhood mm. is mm. everything I dreamed it to be. But there are, of course, moments where I'm just like bored out of my brains. Yeah. And then there are moments where I fully surrender into that. And in the exact same mundaneness, I think it's the best thing ever. Mm. So I think it literally just depends on my mood, how yeah. much sleep I've gotten, yeah, if yeah. I'm feeling like, you know, today is a great day or whether I'm like, I'm just going to chill out today type of thing. So mm. yeah, totally. But overall, 100% yes. Yeah. Yeah. And but ha- also to be real quick, Soz, but no different to real life. I'm not real life, like life without kids, you know? In what sense? What do you mean? Well, like life without kids, you're still going to have those ebbs and flows of oh, being yeah. absolutely amazing and probs not so much. Mm-hmm. So it's like no different. It's just within the realm of motherhood yeah, now. Yeah, 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 you know? for sure. And do you think that um, those moments of 
boredom is that the word you use or the mundane mundane mundaneness um would like being with those be one of your bigger challenges postpartum or what would you say your biggest challenge postpartum um, would be that's also another oh, question okay. i just segued really nicely I, into oh, you did you did segue really well into that i feel like i've found um most of the time i can find the magic in the mundane and so that's not been as big a challenge um but i can totally see how it would be for a lot of people as well um no biggest challenge early postpartum i and i've been reflecting on this one more recently now that i've think got more clarity around it Mm. but i think i felt like pregnancy and birth and even baby prep was such a personal like spiritual journey for me and also then again for us that i felt like it was so personal that I guess I wanted to completely share it on my own terms and postpartum I had to learn that having a baby is really exciting for everyone not just for me and so Mm. I had to learn how to share my experience with family and you know like even not not that I never wanted to of course I wanted to share it with everyone but I think I sh- I felt like I was sharing it too soon. Mm. Like I wanted more time for it to just be for me. But mm. then, um, you know, like it's exciting for grandparents to come over and meet their grandbaby. And that's, of course, something that I want to share. So it was, it was this fine balance between like yeah. how soon is too soon for heaps of visitors and that mm. sort of thing at the same time wanting to share it, but keeping it to myself. I'm sure like if you're a mom, you can probably relate to that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like early postpartum the thing I struggled with most was actually having too many people too soon, even though it wasn't actually that much. And even though yeah. we actually had heaps of boundaries around very it. Slow, and for slow example, Tully feels a bit differently to this. Like he felt like it was okay. Like it was fine. We paced it, et cetera. But for me, like, and what I've realized now is reflecting on it. It was because it felt like such a spiritual internal journey for me, that whole thing. It felt like I was just almost like whipped back out of it into like, okay, now everyone can be a part of this. And so that was definitely Mm. interesting for me to navigate. And then later on postpartum, um, I had a moment the other day on the outside couch when we were in the trees and the the sun hit Rafi's eyes and the the eyes just lit up this amazing blue. And I saw every single line in his Mm. eyes and the shine. And he was just staring like deep into my soul. And I felt so much love erupt through my body. And my first instinct was I need my phone. Like, and I went to reach for my phone and then I stopped myself and I was like, whoa, I'm actually trying to avoid how much love I'm feeling right now. I'm avoiding this moment. And so I didn't get my phone and I just sat there. I was like, how much more can I let in? So I feel like that's also um, not like a bad challenge, but it was, it's definitely um, a new experience is how much love can I let into my nervous Mm -hmm. system now that I've got a child? Cause Mm -hmm. it's like soul blowing it's a lot yeah yeah, yeah it's a lot mm. yeah um yeah that's a big one i'm glad you touched on that um what would be your biggest advice for preggy mamas preggy mamas um number one do the preggy mama dance i, I was at literally like, just thinking that yeah gotta do it super fun <laughs> make sure your partner's involved <laughs> then tag me in it please yeah i have a lot of joy watching those um Biggest advice for preggy mamas is (sighs) 
probably again like what we touched on at the start there is no rule book mm. you know like there is there are so many examples of what motherhood and pregnancy can be for lots of different people um and a lot of people have similar experiences a lot of people have different experiences and it's like dabble in whatever you're curious about don't subscribe to anything that you feel like you'll be too tied to and just like you know i guess go with whatever your feelings say and your gut feelings and your intuition and if you are like oh well i don't really know what my intuition says um then that's probably a good opportunity to disconnect from outside influence and really come home to yourself and Mm. feel into it because your intuition always knows like pregnancy is such a primal experience which means we are going to be connected to those instinctual parts of ourselves and to ignore those because there's you know you get into baby bunting and you're overwhelmed with everything it's like (laughs) what does your gut feeling say and like also it's okay to dabble in the mainstream stuff too and because it's fun sometimes. Like I know I went into baby bunting. I was like, this is the coolest place ever. Cause I'd never even seen like that much baby stuff ever. And I love babies. Mm-hmm. But also like when I come home to my heart, I'm like, how do I want a mother? And it's very simple and it's very, um, you know, like I'm so excited to just chuck out so much of our stuff because too much, like I got too much stuff given to us during pregnancy that I said yes to, cause I just didn't know. And I didn't even question it. And now when I actually think, what do I want? What do I need? How do I want a mother? Like those are all questions to be asking when you're pregnant to yourself. Mm. And then it's okay to say no to extra stuff. Yes. It's and more it's, than and okay. I say stuff like it could be advice. It could be physical stuff. Mm. It could be just like that noise. But um, in a nutshell, just come home to yourself and how you want a mother. And if you don't know how you want a mother, take some time to, I guess, reflect on that and how you want your experience to be. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just because some people are struggling doesn't mean that that needs to be your story. But also just because some people are thriving doesn't mean it has to be your story. Like yeah, yeah. really having a bit of a force field around you from outside influence and just letting that force field down when you really deeply admire and trust someone's, um, I guess, advice or opinion on something. Then like inviting that into your space rather than just having everything into your space mm. and then having to sift through it later. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Um Another question, how to, and we'll just extrapolate on this because it came into the little question box so people couldn't really write, um, much, write yeah. full sentences, but how to get mainstream family on board with birth slash postpartum different to theirs. So, Can you ask that to me in like a fun way? Um, just instead of reading it off the paper is what I'm going for. <laughs> oh, well, I wanted to actually get the question. I didn't want to put words in gotcha, their gotcha. mouth kind of thing. Okay, so I'm saying you can... put some words in their mouth, babe. Okay, so Could... basically my interpretation of that is they're wanting to have a birth and postpartum experience that looks different to the rest of their families. So maybe their parents, maybe their brothers and sisters. Um, and so how to get their family on board with supporting their decisions mm. in what they're wanting to to do with their birth and postpartum because it might look different. Do you want to quickly check on Rafi and your mum while I start this one? one? I can just hear hear him crying in the background. Thanks, babe. Um, Okay, so I think, well, first things first, your birth experience and your postpartum experience are yours and nobody else's. So in today's world, um, we're, we're still progressing through that 
evolution to some extent of you know there are really old school ways of doing birth and postpartum and then there's like really traditional ways further back than that and then there's the ways of the industrial revolution as to how we do birth and postpartum and we're really coming into this awakening of like the woman gets to choose like how do you want to do it and that's okay and so with that naturally sometimes people aren't going to agree with it and naturally there are going to be it's going to be confrontational to some people's beliefs and and what they deem safe so the first thing I think is to know that if anyone is concerned about your choices it's usually if, if they're in your inner circle like family or friends it's usually because they love you and usually because they want to protect you and keep you safe they don't want to see you hurt and usually their opinion um is based on what they know to be true and in today's world there are so many different truths so to know that what they know to be true could possibly be rooted in fear or rooted in um, their own experience even and to know that that doesn't have to be yours because it's not one truth isn't the truth there are so many different truths and it doesn't mean everyone is wrong or whatever it just means that that's theirs and that's cool it can stay over there with them and I'm, I feel quite blessed to have a reasonably open-minded extended family. So, um, you know, but I also know that we were very confident in what we chose. So when we said, okay, we're doing a home birth, it was like, no one questioned it because that's what we chose. And we were sure of that. If we were like, oh, what do you think about a home birth? Then we're opening up to their opinions. And then it's like, that can impact us. Whereas it wasn't up for debate. Our decision wasn't up for debate. So it was like, we're going to have a home birth. And then they could either accept that or not accept that. But that was irrelevant to us and our decision. Um, My grandparents and that would, you know, oh, I know someone who had a home birth and this happened and this happened. Be careful, big. Exactly. And so I literally had to say to my mom, like, anyone's concerns can come to you, but that's where they stop. They don't come on to me now. Like, keep them over there. Um, And then know that also by you having the most empowered experience for yourself or at least planning for that um, can sometimes be really inspiring for others. Like they'll be watching and whether they agree with it or not, they'll still be watching. And so to just choose you over and over again in that situation. um, But yeah, I guess like releasing the attachment. Also, like I guess part of us, we want that approval from family, right? We want to know that we feel safe within our family unit, that they agree with our decisions and that we're doing good, right? And it can sometimes link back to being that good girl as a kid, wanting to do right by mom and dad, wanting to do right by the brothers and sisters, be approved of. And birth and pregnancy is a rebirth of you. And it's shedding that maiden energy and coming into the mother for yourself. So alongside that mother comes that fierce mother and being able to claim what you desire and claim the path that you want to take and not come from that little girl where it's like, do I still have my dad's approval with this decision? And be like, no, this is my decision regardless of what they think. And I can love them and we can still have different opinions mm. and kind of sit with that. Yeah, And if that's uncomfortable or there's discomfort there to really just like allow that to be there do what you need to do have the conversations you need to have and then come back to your truth Mm, yeah and i don't know if you already touched on this but i just think it's a really important part of this conversation to add in is um checking in with what we're making it mean if somebody's questioning something Mm. or giving what are we making that mean subconsciously because a lot of the time they're just scared 
because they don't know. Mm, and they're, yeah. that's actually their way of loving us yeah. is to question us and to mm-hmm. all of that. Um, you and I think very alike. Did you already touch on that? In different words, but okay. yes. <laughs> yeah, nice one. I just wanted to get in there. You yeah, know? no. Get um, in it. <laughs> I think we might need a little Rafi food break. Cool. So All right. We'll gonna, be back. We'll be back. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. <laughs> little uh, pit stop to feed the boy. Into it. Okay. So next question is a big one. So do you have any advice on what to do? Um, when you and your partner have different values um, and then there's a fear of growing and leaving him behind. Yeah, this is a big one. This is actually, we, we address this a little bit in our Ignite Couples course um, mm. and we chat about values and how, you know, often, like it's very often that we are in a relationship with someone who has different values to us and a lot of the time you wouldn't want to have the same values. You wouldn't want to be exactly the same person. But different values doesn't mean you all of a sudden can't be compatible or that you're all of a sudden on a different path to each other. And it's about learning how to link your values with each other's values and the higher intention for yourselves and your relationships. So um, what's a good example of that? So like... For example, and your values kind of um, around health, for example, shifted when we moved into baby prep. But prior to that, Mm -hmm. I really valued health and well-being. You you probably wouldn't have made the top three, four. No, I wouldn't have. Like I, I like I thought I was reasonably healthy, so I was like, yeah, it's not like you were like ridiculously unhealthy, but it just. So, for example, if I was to spend money and time on going to the gym or on buying supplements yeah. or buying more expensive organic food you would be like that's time away from us connecting in our relationship because that connection was your highest value yeah so it wasn't until you started to see oh it, in if tully can live in his highest values he's going to be show up better in the relationship yes so it started to link that yeah yeah exactly uh, so it's linking like okay well if he shows up in his highest values how does that assist him in being his truest self because i want to be in a relationship with someone who's Mm -hmm. being their truest self Mm -hmm. and for him to just bend and him meaning you if you were to just bend and only you know act accordingly to my values um over time our chemistry would also fizzle because unconsciously on an energetic level it would feel as if you're a pushover Mm. to some extent like that's how real some unhealthy codependency yeah as well exactly so that i really had to learn to appreciate where your highest values lied and how mine did. And then we just had to learn how to link those together. And we also found a couple of mutual ones as well. Yeah. Um, like, And I think at some level, like some core values kind of you want to be mm, similar. Like mm-hmm. if your core value is family and my highest value above family was travel, probs going to be lots yeah, of conflict yeah, and you're of like course. that's when you're like hmm, unless you is can this link family fit? and travel right? yeah unless you travel with your family and that be the link but yeah exactly so it's definitely worth discussions a really great way to find out your top values like properly is the dr d martini values, values assessment test yeah and if you both just do that it's quite comprehensive and it comes up with both of your like top five values and then you can see clearly what they are and whether you even do have any matching ones and how you can link them together. Um, 
in saying that also, it's like that fear of outgrowing your partner. Um, I also think that that's probably quite common. Mm. I've, I've gone mm. through moments of it. I'm sure you've gone through moments of it as well. Um, and also I've been on the other side of it where the fear that my partner would outgrow me. Like, so I think it's um, super valid. And then also there's the aspect of we're going to have different values and different interests and different curiosities over our whole life. So where you may feel like you're outgrowing him right this second, mm-hmm. give it five years, give it 10 years, then what? Like, is he... Uh, give it five months. Give it five months. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Like, and so whoever we are right now in this moment doesn't mean we always will be. Everyone is inevitably growing and changing. It just looks different to each person and feels different. And so maybe he may not be on your specific journey and it can be really easy to be like, well, he ain't woke enough because mm. I'm off to the sister circles and the meditation classes and I am, you know, got my oils and you're doing all these things. Mm. Um, which makes us feel progressive in the society we live in. But if his highest truth is that he loves to go for a bushwalk and he's choosing to go for a bushwalk over sit down and chant with you, but that's his absolute alignment, then that's fishing. probably the most mm. spiritual thing he could possibly do, be doing right now. Even if it's playing football or surfing or like like – if right now he needs to sleep and he's going to honor that over not choosing him himself, you know, obviously within reason, but like mm. that can also be the most spiritual thing. I, I feel like um, it can be quite easy when you're in the self-help personal development world to feel as if we put ourselves on a bit of a pedestal compared to anyone who's not doing the work. And and you develop an attachment to how it looks. Yes, exactly. Well, it doesn't look like how it looks for me. So then it's not happening. So yeah. I think, um, and that being said, it's like if it's an ongoing pattern and it's been years and years mm. and there's still needs that aren't being met, then it's like obviously then that needs to be a conversation. But uh-huh. I'd say more often than not, when, when we actually chat to people about this, there's actually sort of some judgment around how it should look and, yeah. and these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like another one, and mm. I know this is Ask Cat, but I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and jump in, <laughs> jump in with this. <laughs> you know what? Go for it, babe. Um, is... Often when we're going on our growth journey, like sometimes we want our partner to come with us to almost validate what we're doing so then we can be mm. doing it together. Mm. And it's like... Or even the, co- the core being to feel connected. Yeah. Right? Like we feel like if we're different in values, then there's a disconnect. Yeah. For, you know, and, and there's so much emphasis on like marry your best friend and be basically the same person and all that. Whereas... That at the core of it, it's like, I want to grow together because it makes me feel most connected. Okay. Are there other ways to feel yeah. most connected? How else can you invite connection into your relationship? Are you expecting him to bend to your values, but you're not willing to bend to his values as Great well, right? Um, just, just for reflection purposes. And then also, um, this is something that we, <laughs> we see often as well. And um, I experienced this firsthand. When Tal and I first got together, I was like, yo, this bitch not spiritual enough for me, basically. Because I didn't do angel cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I walked in once on him, sneaky, uh, uh, in do, the bedroom, eyes closed do, do with now. the oracle cards. <laughs> do now, but I didn't. Um, anyway, so I was like, I don't know if we're going to be a full match because like, I really value you asking me the big questions about life and like aliens and so, like fucking cosmic conversation. And I thought he was like, you know, physiotherapist initially. Really? Because it's, it's funny because I thought the same thing. 
I was like about me. <laughs> she's not very grounded. Like Stop. she. Not, yeah, that's so funny. Oh, that, it is funny. But what I wanted to say was that a lot of, um, and this is very general and typical. I'm sure it could work opposite, but just from my experience, a lot of women. Um, I like my partner's not spiritual enough or my partner isn't doing the work. Um, I'm going to outgrow him. He's going to be left behind. There's going to be a more disconnect. It's really scary. So they either a stop following their curiosities and learning the things they want to learn so that they stay connected to, to their partner or B they do the work on themselves and they feel this disconnect and it gets really scary and they start pointing the finger saying, you better keep up with me. Mm. And what I notice is that when there isn't that pressure for him to keep up with you and you just stay in your lane and follow your curiosities and learn the things that you're passionate about, even if it's spiritual, he'll be watching. You won't realize, but he'll be watching. He'll be observing. And over time, naturally, when the pressure isn't there, he may dabble as well. Mm. In fact, a lot of the time what we see is that he actually becomes quite aware, self-aware, and then it gets very, very confronting for the woman who now is being fully seen, fully heard, fully held in all that she is. And that actually ends up being more confronting and uncomfortable than initially intended, I think. And so it's really fascinating watching lots of different journeys and and now own as well. Like I know that, you know, Tully turned around and did not let me escape any of my vulnerabilities and um, just held strong as I navigated my own depths of like shadow. And it was really, really confronting for me. And it would have been a hell of a lot easier if I didn't have such a woke man so I could have escaped myself. Hashtag woke. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I am saying woke like almost sarcastically. Yeah. Almost sarcastically. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'm saying is also be careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. And it's um, yeah, it's like also she's like show me, don't tell me. It's mm. like I find when you're going on that, if you're doing, if you're growing, if you're still carrying a lot of judgment mm. around oh, where Tal did a great at, little IGTV about this. Yeah, Go on to his Instagram. Yeah, I'm trying to like really contain myself at the moment. Um, Let it rip, babe. I'm ready for it. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, like if you're growing and doing more spiritual work and all this kind of stuff, but you're, then you're sitting in judgment or dogma of how things should look, mm. then the work you're doing might not be working as well as you think. Mm. And so rather than telling someone or projecting mm. how you think something should look or be, um, yeah, sit in your heart, let the work integrate. And like Kat said, it will be felt mm. when you are less reactive, when you are experiencing more peace within yourself, when you are all of these things that mm. then that'll be felt and mm. it'll be like, oh, wow, she used to respond this way or she used to do this and now mm. she's not. Yeah. And I'm saying she because this question was asked by a woman, um, but it can work both mm. ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, do the work, embody it and let mm. it be felt and then see what happens. And I can nearly yeah. guarantee things will start to shift. Totally. And then also having that compassion of like, well, you know, if, if you are doing the work, it can be quite confronting for them. Scary. Yeah. Um, and and so that can create like a bit of that tension as well. So to, I guess, just relax into it. There's mm. no rush. 
if it took you three years to get onto the same page or five years to get on the same page, but then you're on the same page for the rest of your life, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, like and there's, there's such this, you know, it needs to happen now or else. And it's like phases of relationship. If you're two weeks in and you're starting to notice these things and you're starting to notice things really aren't mm. a match a couple of weeks in, it's yeah. like, maybe that's a question of like, hmm, is this the right call? It still might yeah. be, but if you're years in and you know this is your person yeah then it's it's a different story and i i noticed for myself that like as i grew up with you my values changed and initially it was like we have to be equal amounts of spiritual (laughs) and now it's like i'm really stoked we're on the same page of parenting Mm. and that we want the same things for our family like Mm. and that's more important to me than if every single one of our beliefs are the same or yeah. what you know whether we're constantly working on our shit like mm. i feel like that was such a focus of our life for so long was like the inner work do the work do the work do the work and then it integrated so that was just a way that we lived our life and our mm. value shifted yeah and so also i guess knowing that your values right now might be like we have to be on the same you know i don't want to outgrow him etc cetera, etc cetera. But in a few years time, like your values could be completely different and you might be like, oh, you know what? I'm like stoked that we can just be human together as well. Mm, yeah. And, and, and it's just a flipping perspective as well. Cause if both people are doing the work and it's deep work and exploring your shadows and like, mm. you know, that can lead to some chaos, some ups, some downs. So if you're mm. both doing that at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not that it can't be done, but it's like, yes. So yeah. appreciating the stable foundation yep. of somebody who isn't doing the work. Exactly. That you know that like, okay, they're solid, they're reliable. I can go and there's there's room for me to just go for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I gave that exact advice to a really good friend of mine because she, like, she's so explorative with her curiosities and her partner is quite beautifully human. Um, and I was like, bae, like, because she was telling me like she can feel like he's so close like his potential is so there and he's about to break through and like I essentially open that whole can of worms and I'm like so right now he needs to be a rock so that you can go out and fly you need that mm. groundedness so that you can go and explore all of this mm. and then there's going to come a time when you need to be the rock so that he can fly but to both be in that self-exploration that can be super chaotic sometimes as well so it's like wherever you're at right now is absolutely perfect as well yeah basically yeah beautiful wow we had a lot to say for that question but i think (laughs) we've had a lot to experience in that question too (laughs) haven't we yeah yeah, no it's good it's a common one (laughs) um pivoting a little bit how do you manage jealousy in relationship (laughs) yes yeah Um, jealousy is no longer a big issue in our relationship. However, it had its time and it was actually probably most prevalent the first year we were together. Um, my history before Tully was that I was anxiously attached. So if if you are familiar with attachment styles, it just meant that like I needed that reassurance that I was the one who was chosen. Otherwise I would like freak out a bit um and not 24 7 but in moments of jealousy Mm. so um let me think i've i have done it's just been a while it's not really in the forefront of my mind i have done two youtube videos one with tully where we were talking about our experience navigating jealousy Mm. and that would be 100 percent worth a watch i think they're under caitlin howitt Mm -hmm. on youtube um we might be able to link them in these show notes underneath this podcast. Um, 
so yeah, they were great to watch and they're probably more comprehensive than what I can offer right now. What I will say though is that with any shadow, so jealousy is a shadow, when it comes alongside judgment from either yourself or your partner, it will only fester. Mm. And a big process for us was releasing the judgment of jealousy itself and Tully just holding me in love instead of being like, well, don't be jealous. Yeah. Instead of don't be jealous, it was, I hear you, you're valid. I know it's uncomfortable right now. Let's explore it. And by doing that, we were able to, over a process of months, fully unpack the jealousy. Mm. And now it doesn't really show up. Yeah. Like, and there might be little tw- twinges of like a little bit of envy or something like that come up, but mm. it's never anything that's detrimental to the relationship mm. ever anymore at all. Yeah. Like there's, and also I've definitely matured into a secure attachment within the relationship more so as well. Because mm. um, we got together, I was like 19 yeah. as well. So yeah. I think things change over time also and have yeah. their season. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, like you mentioned, like bring it out of the shadow. Like mm. that was a huge game changer. I'm just going to share from my perspective. Yeah, so yeah. the person who wasn't necessarily experiencing the jealousy, mm-hmm. because initially I took it personally. Mm. I made it mean if you're jealous of someone or something or whatever mm. a situation, that meant that you didn't trust me mm-hmm. because you meant you in your mind, mm. something could happen over here, which meant you didn't trust me yep. to be to honor our relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I took that personally. And this is all happening kind of unconsciously, but then I would be reactive to that. So whenever you would be jealous, I would almost be triggered and charged because it felt like you weren't trusting yeah. me. And then as soon as you kind of would just... Felt that anger though, that would then... Then it would, everything it would, judgment. I'm it like, was, why are you so defensive yeah, then? Yeah, right? yeah. So it's a cycle. Whereas as soon as you would just say, I'm feeling jealous, like it, it doesn't like, I don't actually think that's going to happen. I trust you, but this is what's coming yes, up for me. Because jealousy was a emotional body feeling for me. And then it sparked thought processes in the mind. Mm. So it was actually a nervous system issue. And I would assume... I don't know, but I would assume growing up in a big family, lots of kids, new baby every two years, maybe there was a bit of jealousy growing up. I don't know. So knowing and acknowledging that it was a nervous system issue Mm. and then knowing that, and we just made an agreement. Like whenever I feel jealous, I would voice it straight away. I wouldn't Mm. fester on Mm. it. I wouldn't aggressively, passive aggressively text Tully like who you're with. And then just give me a thumbs up when I responded. (laughs) K dot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I would just voice it straight up and Tully would be like, cool. And I would say, I trust you, but right now I'm feeling jealous. And so now it's like, it's not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong. I'm feeling jealous in my body. It's now triggering irrational thought. I actually need some reassurance. Mm. And it was okay to freaking need that. Like, especially with so much conversation around codependence and interdependence and becoming a sovereign being and not needing anything from anyone and giving it all to yourself. We fucked all of that off. And I was just like... Because part of my ego was like, well, jealousy is coming up in you. You deal with it. Yeah, you do the work, It's your stuff. I don't want to be codependent. I don't want to... That's kind of like what Mm, part of mm -hmm. me was feeling. And I'm like, is that the right approach to this? Yeah. And then my intuition was just like... Something no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. knowing that attachment styles can change, knowing all of these things yeah. can evolve if the environment is created yes. for it to do so. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, yeah. What, so I would just ask for reassurance. Into. You would just hug me and say, I love you so much, babe. Mm. And I'd be like, 
oh yeah you do love me mm. cool and then we'd move on with our life yeah and of course like every situation is different like i knew at the core of me tally was a very trustworthy man mm. so you know like we navigated it like that however it might be different if you genuinely don't trust your man like you know there there are different situations that require different um practices and that sort of thing we can only really speak from our experience with that one yeah yeah nice one um, so pivoting a bit away from relationship stuff, can you share your journey into becoming self-employed? Oh, this is a good one, guys, because we've been wanting to chat about this for a while, yeah. but like we've been kind of waiting for someone to ask. <laughs> so they didn't ask it in those exact words. It was kind of like, how did you become self-employed? But we're going to roll with this. So how a bit of the journey of self-employed mm. because a lot of you probably see on social media like we tal and i both we make all of our income through the online space mm. we have multiple streams of income so we run our own courses we sell affiliated products we um what else do we do coaching events coaching like we have multiple things um and that's been able to with ease fund our whole life however it hasn't always been that way mm. um there have been times where we've literally been scraping the bank account for a f- like literally not even the bank account couldn't go to the bank account we were scraping the coin jar for some coins to get coffee like it's been at that point as well so um and we've been in the past totally reliant on a location and a job and a boss in order to get by um and Tully's story is completely different to mine as well. So I'll let you go into yours at, on another podcast. Yeah. I feel like that could be a really good, great thing to explore as being a yep. physiotherapist going into the self-employed space. Mm. Um, but for me, basically, when I was 16, or like, well, I was always raised quite entrepreneurially by my parents. They were both school teachers and they were in the system and they knew we don't mind being school teachers, but we want you kids to have more choice. And they initially wanted us to be able to go to university and that sort of thing. However, as I got older, I think they realized like I was pretty fiery about the fact I didn't want to go to university. (laughs) Initially, I thought maybe I could be an art teacher or maybe I could be an architect. And like, you know, I started off there. And over time I was like, I don't actually want a boss. Like I'm not an employable sort of person. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. So um initially my dad would be like okay well like let's brainstorm business ideas let's do weekly challenges everyone has to come up with a business idea and so i'm like i'm gonna draw people's eyes for them or portraits and then he'd make us oh my god i don't want to say this but i've already kind of started um he'd make us like film youtube videos about our businesses and they're still on youtube they're still on youtube (laughs) it's (laughs) Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Wish I could backtrack. Link in the show notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, so like we would do this and my siblings, they would upcycle furniture or harvest honey or whatever they were, they were doing at the time. So that's how it started. And then as I got older, I, you know, there was more and more pressure at school. Uh, get a job, get a job, get a job, go to university, do the system. Like, and... At the time, my gut feeling was there was a lot of resistance to that. However, now looking back, I realize the system is created 
as a system in order to produce something. And it's producing people who can work for society to help maintain a society. However, not everyone needs the same roles. And so I looked at the roles available and I was like, well, that's not what I want to fulfill in this lifetime. So I was looking for alternatives. My parents started in network marketing when I was 16 and I thought, hey, that looks like a pretty good idea. I'm 16. It wasn't trending at the time. Not everyone was a network marketer. There weren't a million companies. Like it was pretty fresh and new and uncharted territory. And so I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to start a business. And so I started essentially network marketing. I found products that I really loved. I still take to this day, like almost eight or nine years later. Um, and I would just start talking about it and sharing it with friends. And it felt very innocent. It was, there was no like, you know, it wasn't this weird salesy thing. I didn't do it well initially. Like I had to learn yeah. um, how to be authentic in it and that I didn't have to do a shitty sales pitch or anything like mm. that. But I was learning skills of business at 16, 17 years old. Um, I was learning how to connect with people. I was learning how to um, run a business behind the scenes fully online. And I was bullied quite um, I was bullied for that and I would guess because it was so new and so um, fresh and also because I didn't start off doing it very well I literally didn't know what I was doing I was just learning so you know I would take my my cleanse to school mm. literally because I was cleansing my body but because it was associated with network marketing people would then like look down on it or like say comments and that sort of thing whereas for me i was literally just trying to be healthy um and so the more i felt i guess like isolated through that at school um i would kind of reject the system more and more so i didn't want to do university i didn't want to study for my exams and when i would have been studying for my exams i was in the sp- the room learning about business and like Googling and that sort of thing. Um, Building my business essentially at 17 at school. And then um, basically my goal with my boyfriend at the time was to travel around Australia in a motorhome at 18. And that was like an expensive goal. I think, you know, we were going to buy a 50 plus thousand dollar motorhome and we needed to be making enough money that we could be thriving on the road week to week without having to work etc etc so that was like our motivation and and as people didn't understand our vision as soon as we turned 18 we'd made it happen we had been working like 12 hour days etc um and we bought a motorhome and we traveled around australia and that was amazing it felt like a really big tick for us like we did it we showed everybody that we could do it type of thing and then he and I broke up because we spent all of our time on our business and not on our relationship. <laughs> and that kind of, that whole chapter kind of closed. And I felt too emotionally, um, atta- uh, you know, the relationship and the company and my business and everything was so interwoven that I just didn't know what to do anymore. So I just like dropped it all really quickly, probably too abruptly. And I just like bailed to Bali and I was like, I need to go to Bali. And that's when I had a big awakening regarding um i guess a, sp- a somewhat spiritual awakening of like this masculine hustle 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 to actually what it felt like to be connected to my flow and to dance and to my sensuality and all of that um and then i came back from bali did the whole spend all your money while you travel come home broke type of thing um i wasn't really making heaps of money with the bi- the network marketing business anymore because i'd stopped it um and so i went and got a job at a restaurant on Rottnest Island and 
worked really long hours and got treated pretty poorly and it was exhausting and the only thing that got us through was that we could go on adventure for maybe an hour a day on this island but the rest of it like we would it wasn't a great job to have um and being paid 21 or 20 dollars an hour and i knew at my core i'm like this is fucked because you'd had the experience of earning i i'd had the experience of earning money while i'd slept and then i was like fuck this I don't, this is not how I want to be living my life. But I was 18, mm. you know, I had time, had time. So then um, fast forward, I'd had moments where I was literally, you know, nannying for people. And I think I'd be earning maybe $50 a week outside of that, um, having no money. I remember I w- when I first met Tully, I was so embarrassed at the time. Like I I think being a cleaner is dope now. Like I want a cleaner. They're magic. They make shit happen. At the time, I was embarrassed to be a cleaner. Um, And I was just cleaning this woman's farmhouse for her for a a few hours a week, making $120. And I would use that on fuel to go up and see Tully. And I wouldn't tell him that that's how I was making money. I was, you know, like like being there as well, right? Where all of my money was gone every single week. Worked in cafes, worked in... And so how long ago was that, just for context for people listening? Um, 19, four years, no, five. Yeah, four to five years ago, mm-hmm. basically. And then when we moved down south, um, I first started just working one shift a week at the local markets and earning maybe $130. And that was like all of my money. And I was like, I got to figure some stuff out because I know what I want long term. And so I started um, hosting because I thought, okay, well, what I do have is a network and for a lot of people, actually, a network is really valuable, like who you know and who you've built a relationship with. And I'd spent so long building, you know, a social media presence and connecting with people on social media. So I had a network. And so I thought, well, what I can do is um, offer like exclusive conversations or podcasts with these people in my network and charge like 10 bucks for it exclusively like a membership based podcast it was just like an idea I had so I started doing that and I think I would probably make like 300 or so a month Mm. from that and I was stoked I was like fuck yeah like that's great like (laughs) leverage right however it at the time like the the vision for what I was doing it just didn't line up like I didn't want to be charging for that but I felt like I also needed to pay a bill right Mm. so then moving from there um what did we do i think my what we focused on or what i focused on was like my money story and my money blueprint and making sure that i was i was working on my relationship with money because if my relationship with money was shot then no matter what i did it wouldn't have worked whereas if your relationship with money and the connection to the magic of conscious business is there then it's like you could kind of do anything and it would work is is was my beliefs and my story around it so i did a lot of work on my stories around business around working for myself around d um i guess stripping back the layers of like feeling like i needed to work really really hard for minimal success and why i'd been taught that and was it true or was it just a truth mm. in society that i could choose to not subscribe to anymore. Um, again, I'm not allergic to hard work 
totally, but it needs to be aligned in what I'm passionate about and then I don't mind working hard for it. Mm. Um, so it was just a lot of stripping back layers of what I had believed to be true my whole life and then what I actually wanted to create for myself. Mm. Um, I knew I wanted to make money while I slept. I knew I wanted to make a lot of money so that I could live a thriving lifestyle. I could give back to my family. I could give to my community. Like I literally had dreams of I want to be able to just buy my friends a bunch of $60 flowers whenever or a massage to say thank you for something or balloons to celebrate. You know, like I wanted to be able to gift things to my immediate community and when you've got $30 in the bank account that's supposed to get you through food for the week that's not even a reality Hmm. so I knew what I wanted Um, and then when we moved into the expansion mansion which was like a a rental that we had that was really big and expansive and creative and we're living there with two other guys uh, a lot of creative energy was flowing there and so Hmm. um, when did we start Ignite was that that we started with some retreats couples first. retreats. So Tal and I... So, um, I think we started doing retreats. I think Creatress was after yeah. the first so retreat. So Tal and I started... Um, when we got engaged, we... Because we'd done a lot of um, of our own studies within Tantra and emotional well-being and intelligence and, and a whole lot of different avenues. We won't go into that full story right now. But we decided to run a couples retreat. And so we found a beautiful retreat location and we put it out there and we and we created a framework that we believed was why we were experiencing such a successful relationship and why we were able to navigate like the toughest stuff as well with ease and so we made a retreat and it sold out and it was literally like the most fun beautiful connected thing that we'd ever experienced together and it was really fun for us to teach together and um, we felt really fulfilled by doing it. And so that was like the beginning. Oh, okay. We just got to jump. Like we don't need to have all the pieces together. Like we launched the retreat before we had the course properly. Yeah. We were like pulled to do that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We weren't like, yeah, it was like lots of questions in the DMs, lots of, there lots of little signs pointing yeah. us that way. And yeah. we were like, should we do it? And then all the stories of like, we've only been together for however long, like all that stuff came up, but like, yeah, we were quite guided. Oh yeah. And I was freaking out because I was 21 (laughs) running fucking couples (laughs) retreats and I had fears of like basically anyone older than me being at the retreat, which, you know, 21, it wasn't hard. Hey. Of, um, I've forgotten their names now. Yeah. Yvette. Um, Oh yeah. It was Yvette. Yeah, Yeah. So then, um, you know, the first night I'm sitting there at my retreat and who sits across from me other than a couple who had been married longer than I'd been alive. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, here we go. But they loved it. Mm. And I love teaching. And and I think it was just like getting over this imposter syndrome of like, who am I to do this? Mm. And just committing to doing it and being like, it may not work out and that's okay. I don't need to be an overnight success. Like really being gentle on the process yeah um and not having a prescriptive style of teaching like yeah. this is what you need to do yeah da, da, exactly da, da. Yeah. and also yeah yeah so anyway we started the retreats that was great that kind of got us going regarding oh maybe we could do this whole work for ourselves thing outside of network marketing which is the only avenue we had previously really thought yeah i'd been doing some little bit of coaching you don't uh had you at that point maybe a little bit yeah um and I'd, I'd actually done one uh, relationship coaching session before then, which I was so scared to do. I remember um, just putting it out, I think, on Instagram and a lady was like, yeah, I'll do some coaching with you. How much? And I was like, oh, $60 for like an hour and a half. 
And I was just so nervous because I'd never done it before. And she loved the session. And she was like, I'm not paying you $60. I'll pay you 120 Like, don't undercharge. And I was so blown away that I was like, she thought an hour of my time was worth $120. And my mind was blown. I'm like, oh, maybe it is worth $120. Like, maybe. Like, what if I just believed that for a second? And then I thought back to like all the times I'm slaving away for 10 hours a day at the cafe just to earn like $120. Um, And so that was like, all these little things started to build belief. So we didn't have clarity. We didn't like, you know, nail our niche straight away or (laughs) we didn't have like this full outline of like what we want to do to change the world. It was just like all these little tiny things that built belief in what we had to offer and our, the way we taught and that sort of thing. And we, yeah, we just didn't have it all figured out to start. And we just kind of threw spaghetti at the wall and Mm. saw what stuck. Yeah. Um, And we definitely didn't have it figured out because you were on your journey, I was on my journey, and then there was this overlap mm. for the couple stuff, which, yeah, yeah, made it more a bit like, yeah, just kind of trusting the process. Yeah, and Tal and I really enjoyed working together, and it, and there was also an element, I think, initially for me where I was like, I could work with him, so it was like less just on me, which felt really good as well. Um, anyway, so the couple stuff was working really great. We move into the expansion mansion, we're feeling really creative, and this is kind of how business happens for me personally. And I know there was another question about how to start a conscious business. So this is kind of answering that. Um, And this happened for Ignite as well, but I'll have nothing like no guidance towards anything, no overwhelming passion for something. And then overnight I'll just get this overwhelming passion and energy for something. And this idea will come through and I'll be writing it out and I'll be like, Oh my God, this needs to, be born into the world and then that's when I know a business idea has come through for me and that's when I have to trust it so essentially like it's a business entity it's something beyond myself I don't believe that I create my business myself it's me it's coming from me and then I put it out into the world I feel like that not only puts too much pressure on me for starters but then that's where I feel like it needs to be perfect whereas when it's coming through me and I'm simply the vessel to put whatever it is on this earth an idea is coming through me. And if I said, no, I don't want to do that, that idea, the idea would just go to someone else, right? Like, so business as an idea, as an entity coming through me is how I do conscious business. And then every decision I make for that business, I'm asking that entity. Mm. I'm not asking myself, well, what do I think is going to be a great marketing plan or something Mm. like that? It's straight to the entity. How do you want to be expressed? And a lot of the time, it's so much less complicated than we think it is. So if you've got a business right now, or you're thinking of starting it, business ask your idea how it wants to be expressed into the world and just listen carefully whether it be through meditation or journaling or Mm. just gut feelings whatever so then literally and it's funny we're talking about the creatures because i'm about to make it available again but um i was it was a few days before my birthday and i just got this random idea we're sitting in ceremony together and you were like we plan to have a ceremony together and you're like babe, I've got to write some stuff down. Yeah. And I just, I, I knew I was like, go, baby, go. Go, go, go. <laughs> so I just got an idea come through just in a random moment, right? Like it's not always when you're sitting in ceremony. Sometimes it's when you're driving a car or mm. when you're, you know, in the bath or shower. Always best the ideas come in the shower. Good, yeah. Um, And I just got this idea and I'm like, because I'd just been manifesting. We just manifested our dream house. We've been talking about manifesting a lot. Like we were doing 
really well at creating the life of our mm-hmm. dreams and all of a sudden the framework for that started coming through it's it felt like i'd been given like a code that i was like channeling from somewhere <laughs> mm. where I'm like, I need to write this down. So I wrote down um, a four week course with absolute clarity and the a ceremony at the end to like help people do like an identity jump quantum leap sort of thing. And that whole course just came through. And then within a week I'd had all the branding. I had it all nutted out. I'd launched it. And within the following two weeks, I think about, Oh God, how many people? Over a hundred people had signed up or maybe 200. I can't remember. About 30 grand had come through is what I remember. And my input was like, I did some branding and then I was going to do like five live classes, which go from an hour to an hour and a half. Mm. So really it was about five hours, maybe a total of seven hours of work all up. And I was about to be paid 30 grand for this. And that was when it shifted for me. I was like, oh, I'm doing the thing where I get paid when I'm sleeping. Mm. I'm doing the thing where I'm manifesting money. Like it's like, it's easy to manifest money. Mm. And I felt like I was being paid for something I was so passionate about. And then it made me trust Oh, the things that I had passion in, the things that were lighting me up. There was so much medicine in my passion that that's what I was offering the world. Mm. And it was less about the credentials or the thing. And it was more about allowing my medicine and my magic to be out there. And for people to have access to that. And I had so much free stuff on social media. You know, I have literally eight years of free content on social media. (laughs) And I felt like for the first time I was actually being paid for that too. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it was coming through a course. But really that 30,000 for me was paying me for the entire time I'd been building social media and putting out free content over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And so that just completely shifted my paradigm of I can do this and... I can do this with ease. Um, and so literally had made 30 grand within two weeks for doing s- seven hours of work. And that went against everything I knew to be true in the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't work hard. It was fully passion driven. It wasn't a time for money linear way of thinking. And so all of that, yeah, it created mm-hmm. a new paradigm for us. And so from there, you know, whenever I was passionate about something, and I had drive and a hit and an idea came through, I would just do it. And I would mm. trust it. Like trust your ideas because they know what's up. They know how much they want to charge. They know how much money they're going to call in. Mm. They know what clients you're going to receive. Like they, they know your idea will know and it will bring it all to you as long as you trust. Mm. So get out of your own way, essentially. Don't think about how do I start a conscious business? What's your idea? Do the idea. Mm. That's all yeah. you really need to know. Yeah. Trust the idea. Ask the idea. And this is for me. This is how I do it. I'm not a business expert. <laughs> I'm not um, a conscious business coach or anything. But what I do know is like when you get out of your own way and you you ask your idea and you connect with the entity and the energy of what's trying to come through you, all of a sudden your money stories and your blocks and stuff become irrelevant because it's not about you anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, what did we do? Then we had our Ignite courses and we had our um Mm. retreats and i had a social media event i ran there's been so much over the years where it's just i find passion and i put it out there and it comes back and i just trust whatever wants to come wants to come Mm. and literally and this is um i want to say this to to i guess take home how possible this is Mm. but i don't want to say this from a point of like bragging about like you know 
And that's what stops me, right? I'm like, I don't want to come across as I'm bragging. It's yeah. my own story. I, yeah. I really just want to show you some evidence here. So the evidence that I just wanted to share was that in the last probably six months of Tal and I now, where we've probably like realistically worked less than we have in the past. Yeah, And we've felt more relaxed in our body than we ever had. We've had more fun than we ever had. We've been more present with Rafi, obviously, because we had him. <laughs> <laughs> but we've we've probably done well over six figures in the yeah. last six, six months. months. Yeah. And probably we'll do another six figures in the next six months. Yeah. And that's come with so much ease. And it's so uncomfortable to like talk about that because so many people are like, well, why you? Or that's not fair. Or, you know, cause when we're taught to work really, really hard and to sacrifice our time for money and that our hour is only worth this much money, mm. et cetera, it can feel really confronting. Right. Yeah. But it's literally just been a process for us of trust of like, whatever's trying to come through us is trying to come through for a reason. It's chosen us. So let's, put it out there and see mm, yeah and it's just the culmination of that work over time yeah you know this wasn't the first year we tried to totally. you know yeah yeah, yeah. this so, is like five years in yeah as well, right yeah so it's um but just knowing like continuing to do the inner work and then continuing to upgrade the skill sets and be open to different ideas and opportunities that come through and just trusting um has done that we've now got raffi with us i totally forgot what Totally forgot we're filming, so there's probably some boob in the footage. Sorry, Will. <laughs> Maybe you can just sit here with us, darling. Um, well, that's pretty much a wrap. Yeah, guys. Bit of business so chatting. The last there. question. This is a fun one what to finish with. One? How do you stay motivated? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good question, though. Yeah, it is a good question. It is a good question. On face value, I, I giggle because, like, cat's like a lion. What? You, like, just sleep a lot in the sun and. But like when you go to work, you go to work. Yes, Do you know what I mean? True. So it's like, oh, darling, um, little Raf man. Do you have done. anything you want to say, Rafi? We're almost done. Oh, that's a cool microphone, huh? Okay, yeah. So motivation. We're going to be quick here. Um, you don't I believe this is my personal belief that motivation is like an old school way of thinking in the sense of that you need to be consistently motivated all of the time if you're committed to something i actually believe oh my god <laughs> okay we're gonna wrap it up my love i believe that motivation isn't necessary to be successful and that um my personal way of acting and finding success is working with surges of energy and so when i'm inspired i'm inspired and i make it happen and when i'm not inspired you know i'm not committed to obligation i'm more committed to my inspired living and creative work than I am to obligation and so that for me is just how I work like I will I will rest heavily and then I'll create um whereas you know some people work better with that motivation and that plodding along I highly recommend going and getting a proper reading on your human design so you can see how you best create and operate in this world um at your highest potential because a lot of the time we've been conditioned to create or work in a certain way that isn't actually how we we best work so i've just done a lot of self-reflection on what's best for me and i'm not motivated all the time there are a lot of times where i don't really feel that passionate about anything and i'm just plodding along doing my thing and there are times where i just get these big surges like yesterday i'm like i need to get the creatress back out there for people and so then i just did that the whole day so we just roll with it but not attached to whether we're motivated or not 
and also longer term vision like are you committed to the longer term vision and know that there might be ebbs and flows in that rather than oh i'm not motivated today i mustn't be passionate about this anymore cool guys well we're going to wrap up because we got our little timer here being like (laughs) i want some mum and dad time yeah you've been very patient thank you he wants that microphone okay thank you guys so much for listening big love guys we don't know when the next podcast will be out see you chat in another six months no we 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 will be recording at some stage this has been fun so we feel a bit more inspired to get back into it um yeah thank you for listening and taking the time Mm. and we'll see you in the next podcast check to you soon (laughs) bye